I've been teaching on prayer all of this week. And I spent the first two nights talking about what prayer is not. That's the approach that Jesus took in Matthew chapter 6. He had to counter all the religious concepts. And I tell you, our religious system today has made a works mentality thing out of prayer. We've perverted it to where it's for show. It's for all kinds of things. And uh, so we spent a lot of time countering that. Wednesday night I talked about what prayer is. And I believe that it is primarily... At least 90% or more of all prayer ought to be just worship, thanks, praise, loving God. And there's not very many people, I don't think, that teach it that way. But I believe that's the way it is. Amen. And I believe that uh, that would really help you if you got that attitude. Last night we started talking about um, how that there are laws that govern when you're requesting something. There is a proper place to put in a request and believe God for something. And when you do that, the proper way to do it is that you got to recognize that there are laws. God doesn't just move. It's His will to bless every one of us, but He's set down laws of how His kingdom operates. And we talked about some of that. We talked about speaking, how important it is to speak forth your faith. And we talked specifically about speaking to the mountain. Just a real simple principle, but something that most people miss. They talk to God about their mountain instead of talking to their mountain about God. They don't use the authority that God has given them to command things, and they wait on God to do it. God will not do what He has commanded you to do. He will not. You are going to have to learn what God has already done. And then you're going to have to take that authority. And in prayer, you're going to have to stand and speak forth these things. And anyway, spent a lot of time talking about that. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 11. I've already used these passages of Scripture, but let me use this to get started talking about this tonight. Luke chapter 11, he gave this parable about the man who just pled with his neighbor for help. And here's what the Lord said in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You know, this is a simple passage of scripture. If we could just believe it, then everything would be fine. But most people cannot really believe this scripture the way it's written. Because they, everybody in here probably has a circumstance where you asked for something and you didn't see it come to pass. And so you think that this can't be that simple, that straightforward. So religion begins to start coming up with excuses. Do you know a tremendous amount of our church entity today is excuses of why the promises of God don't work. It really is. It's apologetics for why you're a failure why you're depressed and how God intended this for some redemptive purpose in your life and it doesn't work for everyone. I don't take that approach. I don't believe that that's accurate at all. So we come up with excuses while like, oh yes, if you ask, you do receive, but sometimes God will say no. That's his answer. It's not for everyone. There's a lot of people that will take things like the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'll acknowledge that it exists, but it's just not for everyone. Does everyone speak in tongues? 
They'll use that, see, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it's talking about, does everybody have that gift of speaking in tongues in the church? No, not everybody has that. But yes, every born-again believer that receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost can and should speak in tongues. And people will sit there and acknowledge that you can be healed. God heals some people. When I first got turned on to the Lord and got to seeking God, there were entire denominations that believed miracles passed away and zero miracles happened today. Anything that was called a miracle today was of the devil. Did you know that the charismatic moves so disproved that, so debunked it, that all you have is little fringe groups nowadays, hardcore people that will say zero miracles happen today. The predominant thing in the body of Christ is, yes, miracles can happen, but they don't happen to everybody. You know, it's different. When we started out, there was people that believed you were of the devil if you said that there was any supernatural manifestations of anything. Now people will acknowledge that things happen, but they just say it doesn't happen for everybody. But the next verse says, everyone that asks receives. To him that seeks, that finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. You know, if you take the scriptures and really believe it, it means just what it says. If you ask, you receive. And this, God doesn't say no. This isn't something that happened a long time ago. It isn't just available for some people. If you ask, you receive. Everyone that asks, receives. But you know, most people, even spirit-filled Christians, will still struggle with this because they say, but I asked and I didn't receive. I've got things in my life I prayed for my dad to be healed for six months. He was in the hospital and I prayed every single day and I fully expected him to be healed. And he died when I was 12 years old. My grandmother who raised me, basically, my mother worked, my dad worked, and my grandmother raised me. She died when I was eight years old and I prayed for her. She died. My dad died when I was 12 years old. There was a girl that Jamie and I were real close to. She died when I was uh, 18 or 19 years old. I was around a lot of death. I prayed for all of these people. I stood with people and prayed for two hours for them to rise from the dead after they were dead. Didn't see it come to pass. I prayed with four people who died before I saw my first dead person raised from the dead. And you know what? I've got experiences. You have experiences. Every one of us have things where we prayed and asked for something and it didn't come to pass. And so most people say, this verse is not this simple because I asked and I didn't receive. And so immediately you've got your experience saying that the word doesn't mean what it says. Tonight, I want to try and explain this to you. And if you can get what I'm talking about, it'll totally transform the way you relate to God. I believe that if you ask for anything according to the word, the only qualifications that I know to this are in James chapter 4, it says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your own lust. If you're asking for a new mate, you aren't going to get that because God hadn't provided that for you in the atonement. Adultery is not part of the atonement, amen. Polygamy is not part of the atonement. If you just want somebody to die and you're praying that they'll die, that's not going to happen. But if you ask for something that was promised you in the Word of God, and there's vast numbers of things that are included in that, prosperity, healing, joy, peace, relationships being restored, there's lots of things, then I believe that God did give it to you. And yet some of you are saying, no, he didn't. I'm saying, yes, he did. How do you know he didn't? Because I didn't see it. Here's the problem. You think 
that you can perceive what God does with your peanut brain, with your five senses, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And if you can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, then that's proof that God didn't do it. I'm telling you that the answer to this is understanding that there is a spiritual world that exists. And God is a spirit. John 4, 24 says that. And when God moves, he moves in the spiritual world. And God, just like the scripture says, when you ask for something, God commanded it. It was given. It was a done deal. But whether you see it manifest or not has zippo to do with whether God answered your prayer, but it has a lot to do with whether you knew how to receive it. And that's an oversimplification. It's not just you receiving. Sometimes other people are involved in this. There's a, there's a number of things involved. But see, God does answer every prayer that is according to His Word and something that He's promised us. He answers, but we don't always see it manifest, not because God didn't answer, but because we didn't know how to receive. And some people get really upset when I take this approach and say, so you're saying it's my fault. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And some people get very upset at that and say, so you're condemning me. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying if somebody missed it, it's us, not God. And that blesses me to know that God is always faithful and God isn't the one who chooses to heal this one and prosper this one and bless this one and cause joy and one person is depressed over here and the other one just goes through life blessed because, you know, that God wanted to bless them and God hated this person and wanted them miserable. No, God isn't like that. God is faithful. God has a perfect plan for every one of us. It includes health, wealth, blessing, joy, peace, happiness, but not everybody receives it, not because God isn't faithful to give, but not everybody knows how to receive from God. That's really simple. So I want to try and illustrate this to you tonight. Let's turn over to Daniel chapter 9. And let me use Daniel to illustrate this. There's a number of things in the Word of God that illustrate this, but Daniel to me is just a great example. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel prayed a prayer in chapter 9. He was asking revelation about Jeremiah's prophecy that the children of Israel would be in captivity 70 years. And it had already been over 70 years that the children of Israel had been in captivity. So here was a promise of God that didn't look like it came to pass. And I can guarantee you the theologians of their day probably tried to explain it away the way our theologians do and say, well, you know, maybe this and that and all these other things. But Jeremiah was praying and saying, God, why? What does this prophecy mean? It's over 70 years already. And yet Jeremiah prophesied that they'd have 70 years of captivity. And the answer is in this chapter, the Lord showed him that it was 70 weeks of years. 70 times seven years would be their captivity. 490 years. And there's even a prophecy about the Messiah here in the last part of this chapter. This is a major revelation in the word of God. So Daniel is praying and asking for this revelation. And in verse 3, he says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. And he begins this prayer. I'm not going to take time to read it all for the time. But he goes on down through verse 19. In verse 19, he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. 
O my God, for the city and for thy people are called by thy name. And in verse 20 it says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, this is the angel Gabriel, same one that spoke to Zacharias and to Mary, The angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. So here's Daniel praying a prayer while he is still praying. And if you read this, it couldn't take over three minutes for him to pray this prayer. Here's Daniel petitioning God. And while he is still praying, Gabriel shows up. And stands in front of him and gives him his answer to his prayer. And it was an awesome answer. It was about the prophecy of the Messiah and all kinds of things. Great answer to his prayer. But that's powerful. While he was still praying, God answered his prayer. But look what the angel said. Gabriel said this in verse 24, or what is it, 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now, this is important. While he was still praying, his answer manifested by an angel showing up. But when the angel spoke, the angel said, at the beginning of your supplication, God gave a commandment and I am come forth. Here are some concepts that people have that are incorrect. People think that if God wanted to heal a person or prosper a person or set you free or give you joy or whatever, if God wanted to do something, boom, there is no such thing as time or space with God. You hear people say that all of the time. You can't prove that in scripture. Matter of fact, here is a scripture that proves God spoke at the beginning of Daniel's prayer and it took approximately three minutes for Gabriel to show up. And it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) I'm hitting some more of those sacred cows. People just think if God wanted to, boom, it's done. Nothing can stop God. Nothing delays God. There is no such thing as time and space and distance with God. Can't prove that in scripture. Matter of fact, here's the example where he spoke and it took approximately three minutes for it to manifest. Some of you are saying, why? I don't know. I'm just telling you, here's an example of God moved, but there was a period of time in between when God moved and when it manifested. It could be that Gabriel was a hundred million light years away and it took him three minutes to cover that distance. Some people think, well, so you're saying that God just can't instantly do, I don't know what I'm saying other than God spoke and it took Gabriel three minutes. Maybe it took him three minutes to pack his bags. (laughs) Maybe he had to brush his teeth or who knows what he was doing before. I don't know, but I'm telling you, God gave a command and it took three minutes before that command manifested. Now, as long as it's only three minutes, most of us could handle that. As long as you come up here for one of the prayer ministers to pray for you, and if by the time you hit the floor, everything's fine, most of you can handle that. But the problem is, what if it takes three weeks instead of three minutes? That's where most people lose their faith because, again, if they can't see it, if they can't feel it, then they say, I asked and I didn't receive. 
How do you know? How do you know that God hadn't already commanded and the things in the pipeline, it's in process, there's activity taking place in the spiritual world and it just hasn't got into physical manifestation yet. People don't even think this way. See, they just think that if God wanted to, God instantly sell my house. God instantly provide all of my things. God would instantly do this and if you can't see it, then God hasn't moved. You know, that is really an exaltation of your own abilities. You think too highly of yourself to think that you can perceive everything that's going on. There's radio and television signals in this room that you can't perceive right now, and yet they're here. There's all kinds of things going on. There's microscopic little bugs. There's things flying in the air. There's all kinds of stuff you can't see with your little peanut brain, and yet we know that they exist. And I'm telling you, in the spiritual world, there's all kinds of things happening that people don't realize. And it is a height of arrogancy for you to pray. And if you don't feel it, see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, then you think it hasn't happened. There's just a lot more to it than what you can figure out with your little peanut brain. In the 10th chapter, here's another example of Daniel praying the same prayer. And I like to use Daniel because, see... If I tell you about my answers to prayer, then many of you say, well, I don't doubt that it happened for you, but you just think I'm different than you, that somehow or another things work better for me than they work for you, that I don't have the same problems, and you just put people in different categories. We do that with people in the Bible. I'll tell people all the time what Jesus said and how he did, and they say, but that's Jesus. But Jesus operated as a man. He was God, but he didn't operate out of his divinity. He operated as a man under the covenant and by faith. But people will dismiss it. Oh, that was Jesus. That was the disciples. That was them back there. This is me. And they see a difference. Here's the same guy praying. And if anything, he should have had more faith after this miraculous encounter in the ninth chapter. He should have been so pumped in the 10th chapter that he should have gotten better results. But instead, he got worse results. This time it took three weeks. In chapter 10, in verse 2, he says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. This time he not only prayed, but he fasted and he prayed. He didn't anoint himself. He was afflicting himself and just focused 100% on God, and it took three weeks before he got his answer. Down here in the 10th verse, it says, And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. So here is Daniel praying, this time adding to it, fasting, afflicting his soul, prayed, and instead of the prayer being answered in three minutes, this time it's answered in three weeks. Three weeks. Why do you think God answered the first prayer in three minutes and the second prayer in three weeks? Have any of you ever had that happen where you pray and some things just happen instantly and other things it takes a long period of time? Why does God answer some prayers instantly and other prayers it seems like it takes a long time? Do you know that that question is wrong? The question's invalid. God didn't answer one prayer in three minutes and one prayer in three weeks. 
as you read on in the uh, 12th verse, I believe it is, the messenger said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to chasten yourself and seek God. From the first day, and since God's the same, the scripture doesn't say so, but I believe it's just like in the ninth chapter, from the beginning of your supplications, the very first day. In other words, here's a radical concept. God answered both prayers instantly. One time it took three minutes the next time it took three weeks before the person could perceive the answer. But God didn't answer one prayer in three minutes and the other prayer in three weeks. God answered both prayers instantly. Going back to the first scripture we used, Luke chapter 11, if you ask, you receive. God answers every prayer that is based on a promise in His Word instantly. God has answered every prayer that any person in here has ever prayed for anything that was promised them in God's Word. God has never failed to answer a prayer ever. But there are things going on in the spiritual world that determine how it comes, how fast it comes, and things like that. And if you give up, get discouraged, depressed, or whatever, and quit before that answer, then it won't manifest. But there could have been tremendous activity in the spiritual realm. You could have been that close to seeing the physical manifestation, and you quit and gave up. What if Daniel would have only prayed for 20 days in the, ninth, in the 10th chapter? The scripture shows us that there was an answer coming. God had already spoken, but what if he had given up? I believe according to principles in the word of God, God flows through us. It's according to the power that works in us. If Daniel would have said, man, three minutes, you know, the time before and this time, three weeks. Tomorrow's going to be three weeks. I quit. You know what? Even though all of this stuff was going on in the spiritual realm, it wouldn't have manifested. And from the human perspective, it would have looked like God didn't answer his prayer. When according to scripture, we know that God had already given the commandment the very first day. But the messenger goes on to tell him what the problem was. In verse um, 13, he says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. This messenger is saying that the problem was there was demonic opposition in the 10th chapter. And this is something that people don't understand. They just think that if God wanted to do this, he'd have done it. And they don't understand that we are living in a world that has demonic opposition. Now God is greater than the devil. But Satan can hinder the things of God if a physical person cooperates and gives him that authority to do those things. And things just don't work automatically. This is the reason why people get excited about healing. They, they take the things like we've been teaching here and they go out and they want to empty a hospital. And so they go in and they are just pumped and they're going to take responsibility and they're going to go in and get every person in that hospital healed. Has anybody ever tried this? besides me. Am I the only person? There's another person back here. You know what? I've done this and I've heard of other people do. I went into a hospital thing and this is awesome. It's God's will for everybody to be healed. And it is. And I was believing and I was so that therefore, if you believe you receive, but you know what? I literally had a man who was in a wheelchair grab his crutch and start swinging it at me. And he chased me down the hall, rolling his wheelchair, swinging his crutch saying, God made me this way. It's God's will that I be sick. 
You are blaspheming against God. I went into a hospital room one time where a guy was dying. He, they had the family called in and the uh, doctors were working and they shocked him and revived him from death while I was there. And they asked me to pray for him. He was an African and he was on his last leg and one of the family members invited me in. And so there I was and the guy was conscious. But he was just on his last leg and I said, I'm going to pray for you. It's God's will for you to be well. And I believe that you're going to be healed right now. And he says, well, if it's God's will. And I said, no, it is God's will. You are going to be well. And this guy who had died and they were, had just revived him and he was on his deathbed. He got so mad. No, you can't say it. And he rose up out of his chair and started screaming at me and the doctors physically picked me up and threw me out on the sidewalk of the hotel because I was telling somebody, it is God's will for you to be well. And no, God's going to kill me. And he died. I talked to a woman here who was praying for some family member. And uh, anyway, they were struggling and they were kind of confused about what am I doing wrong? I said, you may not be doing anything wrong. Have you considered what they're believing, where they are? And sometimes it may look like the person is believing. There was a man right here in Colorado Springs who I prayed with. Don Crow and I went over nearly every day for months and ministered to him. He got from where he couldn't even pick up a phone. His wife had to hold the phone up to his ear. And I said, don't you dare die until I get there. And we went over and we started ministering to him. He got to where he was up walking, eating, driving a car, doing pretty good. But he just got discouraged. And the Lord spoke to me one day. When I went over to see him and said, he's quit. And he's just decided that he's going home. And so I told his wife, I got her to the side and I said, the Lord spoke to me and said that he's quit and he's decided he's going home. And I said, I believe it's God's will for him to be well, but you know what? If he wants to go home, there's nothing wrong with that. He was an older guy. He was struggling. And if he just wanted to check out and go home, I don't believe that was God's best but it wasn't sin. And I said, you've got a choice. Either you can stand here and keep believing against his will and it won't work. And you can make your last days a mess. Or since he loves God and he was so excited about going home, I said, you could just sit there and praise God that you know where he's going and love him and you could have some great last days together. Well, she got mad and rebuked me and said, you aren't in faith. And so anyway, I went ahead and came visiting him and praying for his healing and went through the motions, but I knew in my heart what God had told me. And you know what? That guy died and at his funeral, we were all people, I just don't understand why it didn't work. After his death, he kept a journal, his wife found it. And on that exact day that I had told her that he had written, I've just decided to go home, but I'm going to continue to act like I'm believing so that the people around me won't be disappointed. And he went through the motions and we wonder why he wasn't here. You don't always know what's going on inside of another person. For you to take responsibility and say, I believed and if it was God's will, if it was God's will to heal, this person would have been healed. Man, you're claiming uh, knowledge and abilities that you don't have. You don't always know what's going on. According to the word of God is all we can base our life on. And it says, by his stripes, we were healed. He would have all to be healed. He heals all your sicknesses and all your diseases. That's what the word of God teaches. 
And you have to go by what God's Word says. So God wasn't the variable. God answered both prayers instantly, but Satan was a variable. Now here's another thing that most people don't understand. Most people believe Satan is infallible. Most people believe that Satan is 100% faithful. They believe that the devil never misses a beat. You may not say that, but you really do. I mean, I have people all the time that they do everything they know and they don't know if God is going to come through. But they believe if they do the slightest thing wrong, the devil is going to get them every time. They have zero doubt about it. They've got more faith in the devil than they've got in God. And I want you to know that the devil just blows it lots of times. Somebody says, why, why, why didn't Satan fight the prayer in the ninth chapter? It's possible that the devil just blew it. Amen. It's possible. You know, here's another thing I've thought about is that either, as far as we know from scripture, demons don't procreate. They don't have baby demons. There aren't new demons coming online all of the time. So either there was a whole lot of demons back in Adam and Eve's day. There must have been a million demons per person. Or there's a shortage of demons now. Stop and think about this. Not everybody has a personal devil. And yet everybody basically believes they have a personal devil. Every one of us believes that the devil speaks to us every day and things. I believe that the devil personally is shorthanded. I believe he has to pick and choose who he afflicts. And he chooses the weak ones, just like, you know, an animal preying on a herd. They pick the weak ones, the ones that separate themselves. There's things that draw demons to us. The truth is not every one of us have a demon every single day attack us because the devil's shorthanded. It's possible that the devil was doing all of the things he could against the kingdom of God. And he just thought Daniel hadn't got a chance of ever getting a prayer answered and he may not have seen the potential in Daniel and he let his prayer in the ninth chapter just squeak by. But after this tremendous revelation and the great things that happened in the 10th chapter, he assigned a demonic power to Daniel to make sure that another prayer didn't get through. Now, I've already mentioned some of this stuff this week. There's a difference between the way they pray in the old covenant and the new covenant. They had to get a prayer through in us, God's already dwelling in us. But the principle is Satan assigned a demon to hinder Daniel's prayer. And so the variable wasn't God. The variable was the devil. It's amazing. Most Christians, when they pray, if they pray and don't see what they prayed for, instantly there is doubt about God. What are you doing? How come you haven't answered my prayer? We don't even take into account that maybe the devil is hindering our prayer. Maybe something else is happening. We just instantly have this knowledge. This, this knowledge, the thought that God can do anything instantly like that is a tremendous um, inroad of unbelief. It'll open you up to all kinds of unbelief. Understanding that God has established this world so that there are that such things as time and space and it takes time for some things to happen. There are demonic powers that can hinder things that are going on in the spiritual realm, that will help you that if you pray and don't see something happen, instead of immediately doubting God, you'll either doubt yourself or doubt the devil or, or other things like that. There's a multitude of things that can enter in and can hinder or slow down the manifestation of God's power. 
Real quickly, let me give you an example. A friend of mine up in Woodland Park heard me teach on this. This is probably 15, 20 years ago. He heard me teach this exact message. And the way he applied it was he had been trying to sell his house for two years. He, he wanted to sell it by the owner so that he wouldn't have to pay real estate commissions. So he put a sign out in his front yard for sale by owner. For two years, he had prayed nearly every day, God, I'm asking you to sell my house. And he had had just very few people even look at it. Virtually nothing happened. He heard me preach this message and the way that the Lord applied it to him was, he said, Bob, the very first day you put that sign in your yard, I spoke to a person and I have moved to sell your house, but there are demonic hindrances against it. Now see, again, people don't understand this. They think, God, sell my house. And if it doesn't sell, they think, well, God, why didn't you sell my house? God's not going to buy your house. God is going to use people to buy your house. When you ask God to give you money, did you know God is not going to give you money? The scripture says in Luke 6, 38, that men shall give into your bosom. God supplies your needs through men. God doesn't have United States currency. He would have to counterfeit it or steal it. What God does is touch people and people are the way that God meets your needs. So if you're praying and saying, God, meet this need, and then you just look in your wallet to see if he put something there. You're ignorant about how the kingdom of God works. God is not going to create money, counterfeit money. It's against the law. God doesn't do stuff like that. God is going to put it on people's hearts. So all Satan has to do is hinder people and that can hinder your finances. You know, when I talk about building a building, buying a building, doing these things, and we talk about we need money, we've, we've had, I just read a stack of hate mail. I gave Donna about, I don't know how many people to remove from our list because they were just blasting me where God guides, he provides. If you were a man of faith, you'd never have to ask for anything. God would do this. And they're under this concept that if you've got a need, God just supernaturally meets it. I had a man quote to me, George Mueller. Have any of you ever heard of George Mueller? He ran an orphanage in England and George Mueller was famous for believing God for money. And he built these huge orphanages, thing, three stories tall. And it was famous that George Mueller would sit down to the table with hundreds of orphans there and begin to pray over the food when they didn't have any. And trucks would drive up and people would unload uh, dairy products and food and things like that. And it did happen. And people said, he never spoke to anybody. He never did anything. And you aren't a man of faith if you tell anybody what you need. And it is true that those things happen, but what they miss is George Mueller put out a monthly newsletter and in it listed all of the needs that they had. And it just was so happened that as he was sitting down to pray over the meal, somebody who had read a newsletter the week before drove up with all of this stuff. People don't understand. Yeah, it was supernatural. Am I saying this wasn't God? No, it was God, but God uses people. You know, when jo uh, Jim Baker went on trial for the stuff that he did, my income back at that time, I was running around forty dollars or $50,000 a month was our income. Did you know our income dropped $40,000 the month that Jim Baker went on trial? When Jimmy Swaggart did his deal, it dropped $40,000 that month. And you know why? It was because people are how God supplies my needs. And even though I didn't have anything to do with Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker... 
people looked at me as a media minister. They lost faith in media ministers, fear, doubt, criticism came up, and people quit giving to media ministries for a while, and I suffered for it. And it wasn't because of my unbelief. It was because Satan hindered me through the fear and stuff that happened in people. I didn't get mad at God and say, God, why did you decrease my offerings? God didn't decrease them. Satan put fear in people and people quit giving and it affected me. You know why my income dropped last month to half of what it was the previous month? It's because people go on vacation and most people like David was talking last night, they don't take their commitment to a ministry seriously. They use that money that they would have given to God to go take a vacation. And I suffer for it. Amen. I'm not mad at God. God uses people. If you're going to sell your house, God's not going to buy it. He has to lay it on somebody else's heart and they come and buy it. So Bob saw this and he, he repented and he says, Father, he says, thank you that the very first day you, I put that house on the market, you spoke to somebody. It's not you that hadn't answered. It's Satan that's hindering my prayer. So he got to binding Satan. And since he didn't know how Satan was doing it, he had to pray in tongues and he just prayed in tongues and believed God that God would be taking care of it. Well, in two days after he started praying, a man came to him, had cash in hand to buy his building. They went down and closed on the house. And as they were closing on the house, this man said, the very first day you put that sign in your yard two years ago, I told my wife, that's our house. And he claimed it. And for two years, this man had been trying to get his finances in order. And he said, it was supernatural. This guy wasn't a Christian, but he told Bob, he says, it was supernatural, the things that happened. He says, the guy that was going to buy my house had to sell his house and all of these. And he says, for two years, I can understand this, trying to do the things we've done. For two years, he was hindered. And he says, the strangest thing, two days ago, this man who had been unable to sell his house came to me, had the money, we closed. He says, and here I am buying your house. And you know what happened? It all happened. Satan was the one hindering this prayer through another person. And when he quit asking God every day to sell his house, wondering, God, why haven't you sold my house? And started realizing, God, I believe you did answer my prayer. You've already spoken, but there has to be some way that Satan is hindering this thing. Give me wisdom. Show me what's happening. When he began to pray that way, God broke Satan's hindrance and the finances came through. Now see, in the book of Daniel, Daniel didn't have authority over the devil. And so he couldn't rebuke the devil, the prince of Persia. If he would have known that the prince of Persia was the difference between the ninth chapter and the 10th chapter, he wouldn't have been able to do anything about it because an Old Testament man, he didn't have authority over the devil. But as New Testament believers, we do have authority over the devil. And if you get this principle we're talking about and know that God said, when you ask, you do receive. And if you get to where, like it says over in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them right then, and then you shall, future tense, see manifestation. If you can get that belief system down right so that you never waver, then if you don't see the physical manifestation of what you're praying for, you don't doubt that God has done it, but you say there's got to be a problem here, a hindrance. Either this is the devil or it's me wavering in my faith 
or, you know, some things just take periods of time. I don't believe that healing has to take period of time and stuff like that. But say, for instance, if you're praying over your ministry, you can't microwave a ministry. It's dependent upon your maturity, your character level. Some things you have to grow and mature before you can see them come to pass. But the variance is not God. God is never the variable. God is always faithful to answer every prayer. And what you need to do is just pray, simply believe you got it, and then... Now here's another step and I'm just, I need to quit. So I'm just going to have to say some things real quickly. And I've got a tape entitled what to do when your prayers seem unanswered that will go further than what I'm able to do here tonight. But if you understand what we've talked about, most people would respond by saying, all right, like I had a ganglion cyst on my arm one time and, and it was a bump right here and it stood up so high. I used to keep my uh, watch band over it so people wouldn't see it. This is back in 1976. But it got so big, I had one of those expandable watch bands, and it got to where it was bulging, and you could see it even with my watch over it. And so the way I'd been praying over this thing was saying, Father, I received my healing, and then I'd just stick that hand behind my back. It didn't hurt or anything. I'd stick it behind my back so I didn't have to see it. And I'd ignore it, thinking that that was faith. I just tried not to look at anything contrary. Well, that's more faith than praying and then looking at it and if I can still see it, say, well, it didn't work. It's a step in the right direction to say, I believe it did work and I just refuse to look at anything contrary. But the best step of faith, even something better than trying to ignore anything to the contrary, is to pray and then look right at what the problem is and say, I know God has already answered my prayer because His Word said it. And if it hasn't manifested, it's not God that hasn't given. It's me or it's the devil or it's something else. And I'm going to take my spiritual weapons and I'm going to shorten this period of time because God's already given it. You don't have to just hold on for three weeks the way Daniel did. What you do is take your authority and as a believer, you command the devil to leave. You speak to the problem instead of speaking to God about the problem. You take your authority. You act on the word of God. Do something. All of these different things. I had a woman back here tonight tell me that she had what? A headache? Toothache. And she'd been praying and doing everything she knew how to do. She spoke to the tooth and did all of these things. And then she just started praising God. She says, I know it's done asking for wisdom. And she finally was led to just say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me alone. And boom, it was gone. It wasn't just physical. It was spiritual. There was a demonic thing. You don't always know what it is. Sometimes it takes a period of time for you to discern where the hindrance is. But the principle exists that God always, always, always answers our prayers instantly. But there are different things. Sometimes it's people that he has to work through. Sometimes it's demonic hindrances. There's all kinds of things. I've only mentioned a couple of things, but there's many things involved. And uh, you've got to just use some wisdom and pray until God gives you leadership. And then you take your authority and you can shorten a period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. It's basically up to you how quickly your answers to prayer manifest. Again, few exceptions. You can't make a ministry just happen overnight. You can't do some things. But to a large degree, you can control the period of time in between when God gave and when you see it physically manifest if you would believe this. If I had time, I could show you out of the 8th chapter of Mark, verse 22, that Jesus used this exact same principle, praying for a blind man. 
He took him out of the town, prayed over him, and then asked him what he saw. Some people think, well, that's unbelief. Well, Jesus wasn't saying, did it work? He knew that God had given, but the reason he took the man out of the town was because Bethsaida was so full of unbelief. He said in Luke chapter 10, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works that had been done in you would have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. Bethsaida was one of the two most unbelieving cities that Jesus ever was in, and he had to take this man by the hand and get him away from the unbelief of the people in the town. And even though he had gotten the man out of the town, he knew that he hadn't gotten all of the town out of the man. He knew that there was still hindrances of unbelief. And so he prayed. He knew his father had released the power. He was not asking, did it work? But rather he was saying, have you received? Are you having problem? He confronted the physical problem square on and looked at it. And when the man only manifested a partial healing, he prayed for him again. That'd get him kicked out of most Bible colleges. Because man, you didn't pray in faith. You asked for something twice. No, he wasn't asking for anything twice. He believed and received it the first time. The second time, he was just taking his spiritual power. And if Satan withstood it one time, he wasn't about to withstand two doses. And so he just prayed again. And this time the man saw clearly. It's the same principle. And see, that's the way we pray. When we pray with you up here, we don't just ask God and then say, depart in peace, be you warmed and filled. But then we'll ask you, all right, do you have manifestation? Is your pain gone? Are you able to move? Is this working? And if you don't have full manifestation, we will begin to start taking authority and speak to parts of your body and command it to work. And we see most people healed. We still don't see every person healed and there's lots of reasons for it. I don't understand them all. But I understand lots of reasons. In our previous uh, seminars, I've been teaching on healing. I've been teaching on you've already got it. And during those things, did you know that we have seen like five, ten times as many healings as we've seen during this conference? You know why? Because most people don't have faith for healing. They do have it, but they don't use it. They don't have the knowledge and they aren't ministering to themselves. And so most people's faith level is very low for healing. But if we will preach on it, we'll build your faith and you'll come. And because you have strong faith and your faith has been quickened, we just agree with you and boom, things happen. I've been teaching on prayer this week. And you know, we've seen much less people heal than I normally see because I haven't been building your faith for healing. So you come forward, our prayer ministers are the same, we're the same, but your level of faith is different. You aren't expecting, you don't understand, and it's harder to get a healing. Last night I taught on healing primarily. I related a lot of the stuff to healing. Did you know we saw more healings last night instantly manifest than we did all the rest of the week because I preached on it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and you responded better. Tonight I've taught nearly exclusively on healing. Tonight we will see lots of healing manifest because your understanding has gone up. And you know, what I'm saying is, I don't understand all the reasons we don't see every person healed, but I can tell you by example right here, a lot of it has to do with just where people are in their walk with the Lord. We got discouragement and stuff and you need to encourage people. I'm not saying that to criticize anybody. I'm just saying that's part of the equation. 
You can't take responsibility on you for the other person being healed. You can take responsibility that you can be a part of the process and you should be able to help, but you can't override another person's unbelief. Jesus couldn't. Mark chapter 6, Jesus couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. I've gone down prayer lines many times and prayed for one person and they didn't get it. Pray for the next person. They get healed instantly. Go to the next one. They don't get it. Go to the next one. They do. There's no way I can be that hit and miss. I cannot be that inconsistent in one service. I could pray for a whole row of people and get most of them healed and one person wouldn't be. There's no way I can shoot like that and hit nine out of 10 people and miss one. You know what? The person receiving has a lot to do. And it doesn't mean that they're evil people. It doesn't mean that they don't love God. You can love God with all your heart and still not understand how faith works. Doesn't mean you, you're ignorant or anything. Leonardo da Vinci was a genius. Designed helicopters that they've now built and they flew in. He was a genius of his day and yet he was ignorant of electricity. Does that mean that he was stupid because he didn't know the things that you know? No, it just means he didn't know that. We, our knowledge is based on a lot of different things. I'm not criticizing anybody, but I am telling you that God has already done it. God has already healed every person. And when you ask and believe, instantly that power is released. And if you don't see it manifest, it's not God that's not given. It's either us that hasn't received or there's a demonic obstacle or maybe there's other things that I hadn't learned yet. But you know what? It's not God that doesn't give. God is faithful, 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 and you got to believe that and don't ever move off of that. If you ever give up and start saying, well, there's exceptions. Maybe God makes some people sick to teach them something. Maybe he wants you to suffer. Maybe this is because you aren't good enough, because you haven't fasted enough. Once you start down that road, you are never, ever, ever going to see the miraculous power of God on a consistent basis. You can never compromise on this fact that God's Word is absolutely true, that it never fluctuates, it never varies. It is all, God is always faithful. And if we don't see things come to pass, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. Amen? And am I condemning you through that? No, I'm trying to bless you and inform you and let you know that God is faithful. You've got to start with that. If God's faithfulness is at question, then all of us are in trouble. Man, God is one faithful God. It is not God's fault. And it may not even be your fault. I've got another teaching that would go along with this about unbelief. And this would help you. This is one of the things that's changed my life. And one last example. I need to quit. But I, ha I mentioned this last night as we were praying for people. But most people were already gone. I know that you, you want to leave already. Leave. I'm not through. Those of you who want to leave, you're welcome to go. But I'm not through yet. But I was, I taught on this in 1976 in Childress, Texas, and we advertised it as a healing service, bring the blind, the deaf, the lame. And uh, so we had a miracle service. I taught on this exact same thing. Then I asked for people to come forward. There was a 17 year old boy that came forward who was blind in one eye. And so I prayed over him, commanded his eye to see, and then I had him cover up his good eye and look through his bad eye. And I said, what can you see? Can you see my finger? And he couldn't even see light. I had to turn his head. No, it's over this way. He couldn't see anything. And immediately you could just feel the unbelief of people like, oh no, because they didn't see something that meant God didn't do it. So I just dismissed the crowd. And I said, those of you that don't understand and don't agree, leave. 
But those of you that believe that God has done it, whether you can see it or not, and it's up to us to manifest it, stay, and we would just pray over them. So we started praying. There was probably 20 of us left. And we started praying, and about every five minutes, I'd stop and say, can you see my hand? And he couldn't see a thing. We checked him every five minutes for probably 30 minutes we prayed. And Don Crow and Wendy were there. They were a part of this group. And I was just in my heart saying, God, I know this is true. Give me a word of wisdom. Show me what the problem is so that we can overcome this. And it'll demonstrate to these people that it's true. And I was just praying and saying, God, what's the problem? And in my heart, I just had this thought. He doesn't need a healing. He needs a miracle. And when I heard that, I didn't, I'd never thought about there being a difference between a healing and a miracle. I still don't really understand it very well. But I just was meditating on this as I, I was praying in tongues. But I was thinking, God, what, what is this? He doesn't need a healing. He needs a miracle. And while I was thinking about it, Don Crow just spoke up and he said, God just spoke to me and said, he doesn't need a healing. He needs a miracle. And I thought, this has got to be God. So we just stopped and I talked to him and I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, when I was a baby, I had an infection in my eye and they had to do surgery and they surgically removed the lens and the retina from my eye. He says, I don't even have parts of my eye there to be able to see. And I said, man, you don't need a healing. You need a miracle, amen. <laughs> and so then I cut my hands over his eye. Don and Wendy were there. I don't know if you guys remember this, but boy, I remember it made an impression on me. I cut my hands over his guy's eye and I spoke into his eye and I said, lens and retina, I command you to come into this eye in the name of Jesus. And then I had him cover up his good eye and I said, how many fingers do I have up? And he says, one, two, and he could see. Amen. It was awesome. Now, some people think, well, when you did that, then God moved. No, God moved 30 minutes before. Actually, God moved 2,000 years before. But when we prayed 30 minutes before, that power was already working. But we just hadn't directed it right. You have to speak to your mountain. You have to do things. And you know what? If we hadn't just persevered in prayer and have prayed... That boy, I guarantee you, was not strong enough to go out and get it on his own and he would still be blind and still be wondering, God, what's happened? But see, because we just stood there and prayed, it wasn't necessarily his unbelief. It's just as much our unbelief as anything. But it just took us 25, 30 minutes to get a word from God and to do what it took and boom, it worked. It's worth it. We'd let a doctor put us in and do operations and do things to you for days and weeks and cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. But God, you ask, and if it doesn't happen by the time you hit the floor, then God failed. Man, if Jesus was the one ministering here tonight, I believe things would work quicker than what I'd do it. But you know what? I'm just the best that God's got to work with at the moment, amen. And because of that, it may take me a while. But if I can move the devil an inch, I'll move him a mile, an inch at a time if I have to. Amen. That's the way that we receive from God.